Well, good morning. I'm Joel. It's good to be with you. Uh, before we jump in to scripture, a couple of housekeeping things for you. Uh, one, you might have received a text last night from us as a church. Um, and if you did, we've already had almost 5,000 people with those families respond. That helps us a lot. Um, we just want to serve you better. That text that you see is a brief survey. If you haven't received that survey, you'd like to fill it out, you can go to our uh, Chapel Point app, tap up Chapel Point in the app section of your phone, and download that app, and you'll know it's a survey because on the front of that page it says survey. Um, and so that would help us out as we just tr are trying to meet the needs of the people. Um, and I'll, I'll be straightforward. I have no idea what God's doing, but God is good, and I'm faithful as best as I can, and you're as faithful as you can be, and we want to see the name of Jesus glorified. Amen? Um, I also, uh, for the guy, I want to say thank you to all of our friends that are in the gym right now. We've got a couple hundred people who are now worshiping in the gym. We have live worship up there. It's taking place. Uh, and then they just, uh, we, we moved this over in terms of the, the sermon. So I want to say thank you to those guys. Um, and if you want to cheer at some point, and if we can hear you, that means you're amazing um, because you're going through about eight concrete walls. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention to you very, very briefly is I want to say thank you. You see my shirt, Be the Church. Be the Church, if you're new here, is a nonprofit through Chapel Point in which we're engaging uh, kingdom expansion. Uh, one of the greatest roles I think that I have, and I teach this in conferences all the time, is one of the most important things I, I can do is try to keep the eyes of Chapel Point off of Chapel Point um, and about kingdom expansion. And so we had 80, 90 pastors come this last week for a conference. And Pastor Luke, if you know him, he's preaching at a church a couple hours away this morning through Be the Church. And it's just it's awesome to see. So I want to say thank you for your prayers as we've been able to engage so many of those churches. Um, and so many of you are supporting that and being a part of it. So I just, again, I want to say thank you for that. That was painful for me because I just want to preach the Bible um, in the very, very best way. Who's ready for the Word of God? Hebrews chapter 12. Open it up. Let's go. Let's dance. Um, this is an amazing passage. Hebrews chapter 12. And what we are able to do is because of Hebrews chapter 10 and chapter 11, we're able to now recognize what it is to live a powerful life of faith. That's what we're learning. We're learning from the example set in Hebrews chapter 11. We're learning from the words that we see in Hebrews chapter 10. And all of it is teaching us to hold fast to our faith that the world is hard, that the world is going to oppose you, that it's difficult, but you can do it. You got this in you and you hold to your faith no matter what. And what we saw last week, even in Hebrews chapter 12, in the first two verses, it talks about running the race with perseverance. Run the what? Grace. With what? Perseverance. Right? Perseverance. Or another translation would be endurance. And so you just keep running the race. Well, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 and following, I think it somewhat switches. It, it moves. It doesn't, it doesn't leave completely the idea of running the race, but it almost moves to it's not just a race that you're running. It's a battle that you're in. It's not just a race that we're running. It's a battle that we're in. It's, it will be beneficial for you to have a posture that understands that we are in a battle. Now, we're going to talk about why that's difficult later on in the message, but we need to know that. We need to understand that very thing. We shouldn't be surprised that we're in a battle. When life is hard, and if you're shocked, you don't get it. 
And so the life of the believer is lived on a battlefield. And we're fighting against an enemy who wants to take us out. We're fighting against a world that hates us. Jesus says himself, if you love me, the world will hate you. And so we need the right understanding. We need to be looking at life through the proper lens. And so this community is going through, that the author is writing to, that community is going through so many difficult times and they're being sharpened and they're being disciplined and all of these other things. And they need to keep the right posture so that they can hold fast through the faith and recognize that there's something greater. And if you're someone who is struggling so much uh, just in all of the things that are happening and you don't recognize the fullness of God, let me tell you now... one of the biggest issues we have is we give greater authority and value to the things of the world than we do to Jesus Christ. That's one of the greatest struggles we have. We don't understand the value of Christ, that it's eternal, that it's forever, and we put too much value in what we have now. And so I think one of the things that the author is doing, and he's just encouraging them. He's like, guys, I know things are hard right now. I know things are difficult, but what is to come is for eternity and it's life through Jesus Christ. Stay the course, hold fast, hold fast, hold fast to your faith. But we see this in Hebrews chapter 10. It was preached, Hebrews, we're in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 10 was preached a couple of years ago here, um, is what it feels like. Been a while. Um, Hebrews 10, 32 and following. This is what it says. I'm just going to read this to you. It's not up here, but just listen. It says, but recall the former days when... After you were enlightened, so after you recognized who Jesus Christ was, after you were a transformed follower of Jesus, any transformed followers in the room, yes? Right? So after you recognized who Jesus was, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. So after you became a transformed follower, the world was against you and you had to endure sufferings. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. So yes, sometimes you went to school or to work or you spoke to a neighbor and they didn't like what you had to say. Get over it. That's really, truly, it's like, I get it, it's hard, but friends, the word of God says it's going to be hard. Not only that you are publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, but it says even sometimes you are partners with those who so treated, those other, you had other people in your life that were enduring hardship, enduring difficulty, walking through times of discipline, and yet you know them, and yet here you are and you're going, wait. It says you had compassion on those in prison. And it says that you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Now, how many of you, if somebody comes to your house later today and they say, they start taking all your stuff, you're like, well, isn't this joyful? <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't do this, but the words beat down come to mind, right? Or something. 911. I mean, I don't know, right? We, we start looking at this and we start processing. How do you, ha- how in the world does somebody come and plunder your property and you still have a posture of joy? Because you recognize the value of knowing Jesus. I've already said, I'm going to keep saying this, friends. The greatest struggle we have in Christianity today and the evangelical church is the fact that we do not give enough value to the saving power of Jesus. It's a little bit better than what we have, maybe. That's how we process it. Oh, well, it's about compromise. It's cool that I have it because it's for later when I die. No, it is now. It is now. 
you will have a different posture in life and through the difficulties and the sufferings and the enduring of people plundering what you have and everything else if you recognize the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is not only on Easter, it is every day for the person who professes faith in him and as a result of that, we have a hope that nobody else can ever know or understand outside of his name. We must understand this. We have to understand this. We have not placed enough value on the name of Christ. It's why so many churches, I think, are suffering and hurting. And it just it, honestly, that's when I get upset with certain things because I think we're just simply, we're, we're giving more energy teaching our children and teaching our people to be nice. I'm not here to teach you to be nice. I'm here to instruct you on the ways of being godly. It is a difference. I know that's going to upset some people, but I'm not held accountable to those people. I'm held accountable to God. So he's like, hey, listen, Hebrews 10, I'm not even to 12 yet. (laughs) Holy cow. I read this passage at least 20 times yesterday, so it is deep in me. That was just yesterday. Ah. So therefore, do not throw away your confidence. That's what he's telling us, Hebrews chapter 10. So don't throw away your confidence. Don't just give up and like, oh, things are hard, things are difficult. You should expect things to be difficult. You need to have endurance, verse 36 of chapter 10. Don't shrink back, verse 39. Don't shrink back. Persevere. And so Hebrews 10 through 12 especially, I think these three chapters together collectively is really this call of encouragement to endure and to keep moving forward and to have the right posture. And the writer's like, hey, listen, I know that you're tired. I know you're beaten down. I know you're worn out. But listen, there's hardship, certainly. But you shouldn't be surprised when the hardship comes. Plant your faith deeper. In the saving name of Jesus, Friends, you got to remember, Pete, you know how many thousands of people literally have been burned at the stake? Literally burned at the stake so that we could have the word of God in our hands. And so, yeah, but does it bother me when I see somebody go and throws it in the back floorboard of their car and they don't get it back out until next Sunday? Yeah, that bothers me because this is the precious living act of word of God. And so we read through even chapter 11 that we've been walking through previously up to last week. And we're like, man, all these examples of faith. Like, these aren't people who didn't make mistakes. Friends, that should be encouraging you. All the people in Hebrews chapter 11, they made mistakes over and over again, right? But a weak faith is greater than unbelief. A weak faith, that's what we learn. A weak faith, one that messes up, is still greater than unbelief. And so here's God using all these people who had times that were not of God, but yet God still used them because they surrendered to who he was. And so that's all in preparation to be able to absorb the power of the word of God today. In Hebrews chapter 12, 3 and following, will you please stand for the reading of the word of God? I'll let you call out those words that are underlined. Um, how about I do underline? You do everything else. No. All right, here we go. Consider him who from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And your struggle against sin, 
You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord, the one he loves. For the, let's, see, let's read that again. Isn't that fun? Isn't that great? For the Lord, the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which you all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of to those who have been trained by it. It's the word of God. You may be seated. So we, we've been learning once again about, okay, what's it look like then from Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, to run this race with perseverance and endurance. What's it look like to live a life of faith? And he gave us very, various lessons even last week as, as we walked through. We learned that, well, it means that we're going to do everything we can to set aside any weight that holds us back. We're going to do everything we can to, to remove the sin that so easily entangles. We're going to, you remember all this, right? Yes? Just make me feel good for a moment. Yes? You're like, oh, yeah, we memorized all this already. Um, Right? But we learned about, man, we got to also make sure that we run with endurance, that we look to Jesus at all times. And then here in this passage, what we see is a few more quick instructions. It's like, if you want to really live a life of faith, this is how you have to do it. Verse 3, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Don't be faint-hearted. Don't be discouraged. Don't be depressed. It's, right? Even depression, my, my father struggled with it at the end of his life and all different things. Like there's, there's chemical things, there's mental things. It's one thing to have a depression. You're waking up just trying to do certain things. It's another thing to, to be faint-hearted, though, because of, of just difficulty. Those are different things. And so he's like, listen, we need to live a life of faith by finding strength and inspiration in the life of Jesus. It's another instruction. So not only are we to look to Jesus, we're to find strength and inspiration in looking in the life, at the life of Jesus Christ. Consider him who endured. That's who is referring to Christ here. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Find strength and inspiration in the life of Jesus. It continues in verse 4. It says, In your struggle against sin... You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So if you want to live a life of faith, what else must you do? Well, you need to find strength and inspiration in the life of Jesus. But also, you need to resist anything other than Jesus. You need to resist anything other than Jesus. Now, the world today is, have you noticed how many voices are speaking into people today? That's one of the struggles that we have. So one of the hardships, I think, of parenting today is that there are so many other voices speaking into my kids that I'm not even necessarily aware of, right? They follow one person on some social media platform, and I'm like, I'm tired of having to determine, can they follow this person? 
Because it's a lot of work. You've got to see what's really out there. And I'm allowing those voices to speak into the hearts and the minds of my children. And it's hard because we need to resist anything other than Jesus. And we just go, well, they're not bad. I mean, just, they're, just, they're just being funny. We need to resist anything other than Jesus in our life. And we've, we have surrendered this mentality. We have surrendered it. We want to have our cake and eat it too, right? We, we want to be able to, man, be in, in, in peak, and I'm saying this physically, but I mean spiritually. We want to be in peak condition and still eat Oreos as we run the race. It doesn't work that way. We're compromising too much. And we don't even recognize what it's doing to us. So we need to resist anything other than Jesus. And verse, he continues on, verse 5, And you, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as my sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. So if you want to live a life of faith, this, these three things very quickly that you have to pick up and add to last week. If you weren't here, go back and watch it. But we need to live a life of faith by verse 3, finding strength and inspiration in the life of Jesus remembering what he did for us. We just did that in communion before. One of the great powers of communion is it rem, it rem, we're able to remember, to remind ourselves of what Christ did for us. And remembering, we're then able to celebrate. It's coming up in a couple of weeks with Good Friday. Come to one of those services. You need to come to a Good Friday service. You will never fully celebrate as you should if you don't first remember what he did. And taking on our sin. And so, yes, we need to find strength and inspiration in his life. We need to resist anything other than him. And then verse 5, as I just read, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. We need to embrace discipline. I, I, have you noticed that our society is opposed to any type of discipline? Right? And I, listen, I think we're all kind of at that place in life. I don't, I don't know anybody who goes, man, it's time for discipline. How, how, many of you, how many of you have kids? Raise your hand. How many? Okay, you can put them down. Now, I want you to raise your hand. Do you, if you have kids that when you have discipline, they go, thanks, Dad. Raise your hand. Right? You need to come up here and teach a lesson today at 2 o'clock if you've got that kid. I, I know how often I discipline my kids. And you, you do discipline them differently as they get older, right? It goes from taking away their Tonka truck to taking away their car, right? But I, I, don't, I don't recall many times in my life in which my kids said, Dad, thanks so much for punishing me and disciplining me. I needed that so I could be more like Jesus. In fact, if they said it, I don't know if I would believe it. I have great kids. It's not that. But like, I'm like, oh, 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 what do you want? Right? Do I hear an amen? Never mind. Okay, so. <laughs> like, like, seriously, sometimes you just leave me hanging. Amen. Thank you. You're 12. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, what even an apparent? So, and now he corrects me. 14. I'm going to discipline you, and you're going to say thank you. Okay, I gotta remember we got people online. Okay, all right. So as we, oh, Hebrews chapter twelve, uh, we look at this. We gotta recognize that we need to embrace this discipline. The word, guys, we get the word discipline from the word disciple in Greek. 
So this will tell you, does anybody here want to be a disciple of Jesus? Raise your hand, right? And Jim, raise your hand right where you are, right? So if you want to be a disciple, discipline is automatically a part of it. It comes from that word. It means to be trained or instructed. It means to be trained or instructed. So that means you have to embrace that mentality. Because I tell you what's not fun. Right, is when you're always trying to convince someone, like every day, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, and they always resist it. But you know what is motivating? When someone wants to grow, they want to mature, they want to recognize that transformation is a continual process, and so they step into that, and they just, they want to be sharpened, they want to be encouraged, they want to move forward. Those are the people you want to work with, right? Those are the people who are embracing discipline because they know that it's necessary in order for them to become a greater disciple, to hold fast. As Hebrews, right? Over and over it says, hold fast to the faith, hold fast to the faith, hold fast to the faith, hold fast to the faith. Everybody say, hold fast. And that's what it is. So you go, oh man, I have to embrace discipline. And it, one of the things is that means we have to refocus our lens that we see discipline in. Because our world says that nobody should be disciplined because everybody's right no matter what. It's not true. Remember, the world's going to hate you. It's, it's not only a race, but you need to also that you're now in the battle. So, uh, the Christian life is lived on a battlefield if lived well. If lived well, the Christian life is lived on a battlefield. And identifying yourself with Christ guarantees suffering of some sort. Now, I know that's not sexy, that's not fun, that's not, oh, man, that's just so amazing. Right? Not, not many people are going to be like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to identify with Jesus. It's going to mean suffering. Listen, in this world, it will. And what I'm not saying is that means that God is always just wanting to cast suffering on. I'm not saying that. Sometimes it's the world happens. But the, our posture as how we interpret suffering and whether or not we're willing to learn and grow is imperative. We need to be wounded often to know the power of the healing of Jesus. Because if you don't know what it is to be hurt and to struggle and to have difficulty, you've never fully recognized all that Christ can do even in the midst of it. And so we need to recognize here he is in this chapter. He's like, listen, my son, do not... Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Don't, don't get tired when you're being disciplined. Don't get exhausted. You've had the kid, right, get exhausted with you. Dad, don't, don't do that. That's how we treat our Heavenly Father often. It says, for the Lord, verse 6, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. So this is what I want us to do. We're going to talk about the characteristics of the joy of dis discipline. That's fun. Because this is what he's saying. If you want to live a life of faith, one of the things that you have to learn to do is to endure, to embrace discipline. And then he lays out what that means to be disciplined. 
And one of the very first things we see in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, we're just walking through the text, right? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, we see very clearly he starts to address it. And he, he says that discipline shows that the Lord loves us. First thing right there. Discipline shows that the Lord loves us. I'll read it again. For the Lord disciplines the one that he loves. So then you start to absorb it different. You have a different posture if you move forward in that manner. I'm just gonna I'm gonna run through some of this very, very quickly. But we know that discipline shows that the Lord loves us, and we know that our heart doesn't gravitate toward the idea of discipline, right? I, my heart doesn't come, I don't wake up in the morning and go, I can't wait to be disciplined today. I know that that's not our natural heart posture, but it's not our natural heart posture because of sin, because of selfishness that we have in our own lives. But we know that, that the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And we have to be able to have the right posture. That's why I tell everybody, I think everybody should memorize James 1, 2 through 4, if not 2 through 11, but anyway, um, James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, right? Consider it pure joy. Listen to that. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And some of you are going, I think I'd rather lack in something. But that's the posture that we should have. We embrace that discipline. And so now we consider it joy because we know that the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. So you have to embrace discipline because it shows that the Lord loves you. (laughs) I, I mean, I just remember this as a child. I, I, when I would get in trouble, so, so I grew up in a different age. Like we didn't even, we didn't have helmets when I grew up, right? We had pillows, you'd strap them on with a belt, and, uh, and if you got really upset, it's just, let's just say I got in trouble some, okay? I'll just jump to it. I got in trouble some, it, some, it usually involved other people and BB guns and shooting. Um, I mean, that's how we got in fights back then. It wasn't like rock, paper, scissors, are you in trouble? It was like, we just start shooting each other BB guns. And that hurts. I was that kid, believe it or not. I know you're shocked. But I was that kid. I remember my father, every time I'd get grounded, I'd still do it again. I'd get grounded for like three weeks. And, um, and so I remember one time I had to go pick out a switch on a, a willow tree. I had a big willow tree in the backyard. She'd go, go to the willow tree. Do, any, do we have willow trees in Michigan? Yes, see, you're just as, that's how the first service was. I don't know what trees we have in Michigan, except for they all go black in winter. Um, So here we are, I I go pick out a switch, and my dad's like, son, I have to to spank you because I love you. I'm like, stop loving me so much. (laughs) Like, but I'm like, don't be, you know, that's what happened. Like, the Lord disciplines those he loves, though. And the thing is, years and years later, I still remember that. Because he was teaching me something. And often, spiritually, we turn against God when he starts to discipline us. And we reject him. And we do that, friends, out of selfishness and sin. So discipline shows that the Lord loves us. Verse 7, 
He says, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So it tells us that discipline reveals that the Lord sees you as family. This is one of the most, guys, I know things can be hard, but this is so encouraging that the Lord loves us enough to show us the path to being in greater relationship with him. That's for eternity. You want to talk about people who would be upset with God? What if, what if someone says, well, here's this wonderful God, and, and the more you walk in his paths, the more you will be with him in closer proximity for all of eternity, and then, but yet, he doesn't do anything to help you with that. Right? But he does by giving us his word and by guiding us, and it shows us that he sees us as family, that he's wanting to help us. And that is a problem, is that homes, listen, we got to teach, we got to teach people that the Lord sees us as family. And often within our families, what we're doing is we're raising up people and we'd rather them be nice and godly, but we need more people who are godly. Verse 8, if you are left without discipline in which we have all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So discipline Proves our value. Otherwise, we're illegitimate children. Showing that the Lord's, I mean, he's pouring into you. He's trying to instruct you and help you. That's why he leaves with us, Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to leave with you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Always been since the very beginning. It's just that, I say it all the time because some of us don't know. It's just that Jesus came in flesh 2,000 years ago, but he left with us, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's always been, but he came, and now he's dwelling within us, and he's instructing us. You know what's right and wrong. That's the life of C.S. Lewis, if you've heard that name before, Right? Chronicles of Narnia and everything else. He was an atheist. And he's like, you know, he just recognized everybody knows right from wrong. And as a result, he started exploring it. And he encountered God. He encountered the living Lord and Savior. Because he's like, what is it? It's Holy Spirit living in our life. And discipline proves that we have value to God, that we're not illegitimate children, that he's pouring into our lives. That's why we say that conviction is a blessing and we want to take it. Everybody say conviction is a blessing. It is. It's Holy Spirit letting you know, don't do this. Don't do this. And we do it anyway. And he just said, don't do it. And we fall off a cliff. But then we still get upset that that happened. Why did God let this happen? Well, if you would have been obedient to his word, it probably wouldn't have happened. But God does allow for suffering. God allows for hardship. And God disciplines and it shows, it proves that we have value to him. Verse 9 and 10, as we read this, it says, Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good. Discipline is for our good. Discipline is for our good. And we, we are difficulty adverse today. Hardship adverse today. What doesn't kill you makes you. Did you know that our generation today, that, we're, that we've raised, so we can't say anything about it. They're actually pushing against that. 
But there's a very real mentality of it. God does give us the strength that we need. Remember, it says, Hebrews chapter 11, for some of them, right, they live by faith, by, by recognizing, not only obtaining the promises, but by, in their weakness, being made strong by Christ. And we need to recognize that often when things are beating us down and pulling on us and stretching us and just almost feel like we feel like we can barely breathe and get our, our face above the water to be able to just take a suck of oxygen wherever we can, we need to recognize that if we rely on God, He will deliver in this life or the next. We're good either way because for eternity we are with Him. And we've got to recognize that it is for our good and that we can learn from that. But if you have a heart posture that's, that is opposed to anything hard, you will always have a problem with God. Verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. And the moment is like, this hurts. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So yes, discipline produces greater fruit. Discipline produces greater fruit. We have to embrace the value and the good that comes from discipline. And there are so many of us who are so resistant. So one of the, let me put it like this. One of the things that shows a posture of being resistant to discipline or anything to help train us or instruct us. Remember, discipline from the word disciple means training and instruction. So some of us are automatically opposed to any type of training or instruction. You're like, you'll see some, you know there's people, you see them doing something and it's just, it's misery to watch them. Because you know there's so much easier if they would just do this instead. But as soon as you say something, you know they're not going to receive it because of their pride and arrogance. Anybody have that person in their life? Raise your hand. Oh, I just tricked you. You don't raise your hand. Like, they might be sitting right beside you. Um, but like we, we, we know those people. And it's because we just resist it. We push against it so much. We don't want anything to do that. But we need to understand that, listen, self-pity, that's what it leads to. Self-pity only shows that you don't fully understand the gospel, that you haven't fully stepped into the gospel. If you're a person of self-pity, woe is me, all the time, you don't understand the gospel because the gospel is not only for now, it's for eternity, but you're letting something that is only for now dictate your understanding of what Christ has done. I mean, some of you, I mean, in our world today, man, we're getting off on the whole mentality of just, we wallow around in our self-pity. And it's because we don't fully embrace the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the glory of God is best shown in the fact that he still chooses to use us, even though none of us are worthy to be used. And so we look at these heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. We look to the instruction of discipline in Hebrews chapter 12. And we ask God just to teach us and to stretch us. Our prayer is very, very simple. God, do whatever you need to do with this, with this, with this, with my family. Anything you need in order to give you glory. Because I know for eternity I will be worshiping you. And so if you need to discipline me, if you need to stretch me. That's why I say mature leaders invite what? accountability and so just invite it and because me saying and I'll tell you right now a lot of these 
sayings that I have like that, they all are rooted in scripture and they remind me of the posture that I should have because sometimes I don't want to have that posture. Let's be honest. Some days I wake up and the one thing I don't want to do is go to a friend and say, you know what? I just need to invite some accountability today. But it reminds me of the posture that I need to have before God so that God would receive greater glory because for eternity I get to be with him. We need to change our spiritual posture. We need to look to Jesus. I just spoke about that last week. Why? Because he is the perfecter of our faith. He is the author of our faith. He is the founder of our faith. And here's the author, friends. He's writing to a bunch of people, and they are at the end of their rope in many ways. Some of you are going, I'm at the end of my rope. You're going, you don't understand my relationships that I'm dealing with right now. might be a friendship, a marriage, my work, financial, physical issues. And you're going, I'm at the end of my rope. And these are guys who would have been killed often. These are people being killed and beaten and afflicted and imprisoned for their faith. And they, that's, at the, that's the end of their rope. If we would change our posture, some of our ropes would get longer. Because the end of our rope, if you look at the word of God, the people who were burned in order for us to be able to hold this, their rope was much longer. Are you picking up when I'm laying down? Yes? And they're at the end of the rope, but in the midst of being at the end of the rope, you know what they did? They stood firm. They kept their faith. They stayed the course. They held fast. Oh, they held fast. And you need to ask yourself, will you embrace the Lord's discipline? Knowing that it's not the end, that you just got to be patient. You got to endure. You got to embrace the discipline of the Lord no matter what. And have that posture that you need. Will you respond like the heroes of faith who walk through their mistakes? They walk through their sin. They walk through the neglect that they had of God at times in their life. And they finally at the end embraced God and they allowed God to use their life. Will you look to Jesus? This can be our posture toward discipline. Guys, God will raise us up together and collectively as a church to do things that we cannot even fathom and imagine. <laughs> to impact West Michigan in ways that we don't even comprehend. You see all these churches, but we're lower than national average in just church attendance. And only, check this out, only 18% out of a huge study that was done, sorry, 18% of those who go to church regularly say that it has any actual impact on their life. We're teaching the wrong thing. The only thing that matters is Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's it. 
And if we don't change our, our lens of how we see the world, we're going to keep looking in the mirror itself. What we need to do is we need to look at Jesus and recognize, yes, he will discipline. And there is hardship and we're in a battle and we are suffer in times of difficulty. But you must remember this. Our God will never leave us nor forsake us. Be encouraged by that. And stay the course. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. Just absorb this as we finish this time up. It says, Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. My son, don't despise the Lord's discipline. Or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. The Lord delights in you when you hold fast to your conviction that Jesus is Lord. Let the Lord delight in you. You've got that, friends. You've got this. Stay the course in your faith. Fight, 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 fight. God, I come before you and I thank you for your love. I thank you for your power. I thank you for who you are and what you've done. And I know that the discipline in our lives is hard and it's a struggle. I know that the suffering and the difficulties are just, they can just beat us down sometimes. But Lord, right now, I'm asking that inwardly in their soul and the depth of their heart and their mind that every single person hearing these words right now would find strength, would find comfort, would find peace, would find renewal that comes only through the Almighty God to stand firm in their faith. God, let us stand firm in our faith, please. I'm calling out, asking, let us stand firm in our faith. Let us stand firm in our faith. Thank you for your love. Amen.